We ready to worship Rock of Grace? Hear dry bones rattling? Would you stand with us? Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Here we go. A Pentecostal fire stirring something new. Come on. You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon. Resurrection power. Church, we expect a move of your spirit today, Jesus. 
eyes and lift out your hands right now. The king is in the room. The king is in the room. Come on, he's here. He's here, the king of glory, the resurrection power, who's raising up armies. He's in the room. He's in the room. He's in the room. I hear the sound. Thank you. 
I won't be shaken. Come on. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, she no hunger has a place to hide. And I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Oh, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I
there's a desperation in here for of of moms and dads over those who are lost and I just feel this overwhelming feeling like God says he desperately cares about those and that's a a, a valiant it's an honorable thing it, it's needed but he says this morning I want you to know your worth how can you outpour to somebody else if there's a leak somewhere Fill up my cup this morning and let it overflow. Fill up my cup this morning, oh, with your oil, with your oil. Oh, Jesus loves you. Oh, he loves you. Oh, don't you know he loves you? And his son to die on a cross for you and me. And here this morning, I lay down my weapons. Oh, I lay down my pride. And I just trust in your love. Oh, I rest in your love. Oh, I rest in your love.
He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of His wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. intro again guys real quick I just feel like there's a word and with the lights I can't see who it is but right in the last row right here can you just raise your hand make sure I know who you are you just turned your head right in front of you right there yes I I, I can't with the lights see you but that's okay I saw your hand up and I know it's you that God wants to outpour this special unique blessing on you of just being aware of 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 how good he is and as a father how much he loves you and i just feel like like you've had an, a storm of thoughts going around the past couple years and, and it's been getting stronger and stronger and stronger and the lord says if you'll give me that storm i will give you the oil of gladness and the true joy of his Holy Spirit over you. Can we just reach our hands out right towards this section right here? God, we just pray and speak the oil of gladness over our sister right now. The oil of gladness, of mercy. God, that there will be true joy that comes in the morning. I just see you waking up in the morning and you used to regret waking, you used to like, you used to almost dread waking up in the morning at one point in your life. And the Lord says, what you had feel, felt like you lost and you were striving to regain, the Lord says, I will bring and multiply joy over you. I will multiply goodness over you. I will multiply blessing over you. We speak blessing over you, sister, that the joy of the Lord, that his true goodness would be known in your spirit, that you wouldn't have to wonder, that you wouldn't have to take a walk and wonder, a drive and wonder. I speak the goodness of God over your family, over your children, over the next generations, that the worry of past things would melt away into the goodness of God. Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. We're gonna sing this first verse again. And together can we just receive and realize that Jesus himself, the creator of the universe, could do anything he wants, is jealous for your attention this morning. And that's all he wants. He wants your attention. He's jealous for you. Oh, he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just 
just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. Verse 2. his portion and he is our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes grace is an ocean we're all sinking If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me have been so, so kind to me. Self away. All 
us, any of us, in the condition that we were in when he found us. 
I mean, we didn't find God. He found us. He searched for us. We were that one stuck in the muck and the mire of the world in which we, we reveled in. I just, honey, do you remember the night that we got saved? We just, we just ran to the altar. We just couldn't believe that God would do this. It's not something you comprehend by your own intellect. It's a revelation of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God says to you in loud, resounding declaration, I love you. I want you to be with me. I want to forgive you. What? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment? Don't ever forget the moment when your rescuer showed up. Thank you, Lord. One of the greatest human tragedies is people to grow up even in the natural realm unloved but when the revelation of God's love comes into their understanding into something that God does that takes the blinders off and opens up our heart and our mind and we we've we finally see how much God loves us. It, all the afflictions, all of the rejections, all of the devastations of our life are suddenly put in a past tense. We leave them behind. And we just keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. Can you just lift up your hands to the Lord? Can you just tell him how thankful you are that he didn't leave you behind that he reached out and for those that might be watching this service in your living rooms or in your kitchen just lift up your hand and thank God he has not forgotten you you're listening on purpose God's ordination is that your ears would hear he's left the 99 for you thank you, Lord. We bless you. There's not enough words to say how deep and how great is our gratitude. Our cup of thanksgiving, it truly overflows. Everybody take a deep cleansing breath and sit down with an attitude of gratitude. Can we do that? One of the things that I love to do, I like to get here early on any given day, on Sunday in particular, because I, I meet people for the 10th time, for the first time. <laughs> oh, 
So, I don't know. You may have uh, greeted somebody, shaken their hand, and forgotten their name. Always ask them their name, if I, just if, even if it's for the tenth time. So let's let's just take a few minutes and really be thankful. And right before we get up and and greet one another, I do want us to take a look at the empty chair. Uh, it's, it's, I'm going to take a little different take on that, but like uh, Ron Kitzmiller always sits back here. He's always ready for us, you know, to he ushers and is kind and gracious and serving. And he's, he, he's advised not to be here today because of his situation with his back. He's having surgery. And, and so his chair is empty. And there's people that are hurting. There's people that are in some measure of conflict emotionally or mentally. Maybe spiritually, they're just mad at God. But they're not here this morning. And so we can't greet them. But we can call them when we get home. We can encourage them. Oh, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to cue in to what God is doing right now. And so... Uh, I want you to be mindful of that empty chair, but let's go ahead, stand up, and love on people that are actually here. Can we do that? Come on, we can do that. Welcome to Rock of Grace. It's so exciting to be in the house of God together, isn't it? I wanted to give you guys a little testimony of what this church is doing. Lately, we've had um, United Worship. When I say we, I'm referring to United Worship. has had a lot of people come out of the Amish community. And this church recently has provided a car for a mom who had to come out with two of her girls. She's been praying for a car and praying for a car, but she never told us. And when this car became available, it was given to a family, anybody who needed it that was coming out of the Amish. I text her, God put her on my heart, and I said, do you have a need for a car? And she just said, oh, Ruth, you have no idea. She said, you have no idea. She said, God is so good. So I just want to just give that little testimony of the goodness of God and how he's meeting needs in our community and how people who were obedient and said, hey, I have an extra car, were able to bless someone they don't even know. Oftentimes when we do that, we will never realize the impact we had on this world. So that's going to lead me to our next opportunity, which is the Connect card in front of you. If you are new to Rock of Grace, could you fill out the Connect card that's in the seat back in front of you? You can drop it off at the Welcome Center or in these black boxes in the back. Mark your calendars. An opportunity to worship is coming up. On May 4th at 6.30, we will be worshiping here at Rock of Grace. And there will be child care for those of you who need it, for your children, not for you. Um, <laughs> I also wanted to plug one more time. We're going to put a, play a video for you and just pay special attention. Maybe this will be your opportunity to serve within the church. Here we go. Hi, I'm Nikki Culver. I'm the church advocate for the Family Advocacy Ministry, where we will be supporting our foster families inside of the church. 
It's important to support our foster families inside of our church because they are 95% more likely to stick with fostering if they have a support team around them. And we can also come behind Pastor Jordan's vision on having every child in Trumbull County in a loving home. Serving in FAM, you would be able to possibly cook a meal once a month, pray and support them through that way in compassion, clean once a month for a couple hours, or possibly do respite where you would provide the family with a date night and watch their children and the foster children inside of their home. If you want more information, please join us at the meeting that will be held um, May 4th before the worship night at Rock of Grace Kinsman, or you can also sign up online. Excellent. Listen, we're having an opportunity now to um, receive our offerings. I always felt it was imperative as part of my presentation of an opportunity to recognize that really giving is one of the highest acts of worship that we have the opportunity to participate in, to give unto God in obedience and faithfulness because we love him and we, ex we accept and acknowledge how awesome God has been to us. The the pittance that he requests of us is so, uh, well, it's just important to him to see our heart revealed in how we give. Amen? So uh, there's various ways you can give. I'm sure most of you are aware there's black boxes on the back, uh, exit doors, and, of course, giving by uh, online or by phone. So let's ask the Lord to bless the offer. Father, as you stood back and watched the widow give her all, all that she had, two pennies, and that she gave more than all the rest who gave exceedingly great amounts. Would you look at our hearts this morning and see that we too long to be faithful in such a way that we will give you anything and all things that you require, that you ask, that you, that you want us to release for your namesake and for your glory. Bless this offering. Magnify yourself in us for your namesake. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Well, good morning, everyone. This morning, uh, if you'll notice the title of the message the power of grace, and that's been the, the theme, so to speak, but it's uh, today, the power of grace to forgive. It's, uh, it kind of falls off our lips easy, you know, just forgive somebody, but I'm telling you, it takes and requires the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit himself, to equip us and enable us to do what in our nature we may not be so predisposed to do. So today, my daughter Jessie and I are going to uh, present the gospel in a way, hopefully, maybe you haven't exactly heard. Father, we ask that you would bless our time together as dad and daughter. You'll bless Pastor Jordan and his family as they are taking a break for a week. We ask that the Holy Spirit 
would glorify the name of Jesus in this house and that we would bear witness with your love and your forgiveness in ways that we never imagined. May there be redemptive consequence from our being here today. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said. Well, I am Pastor Mark. I've been here forever, it seems like. Um, but uh, Pastor Emeritus now, Pastor Jordan is my son. And Jesse? And, uh, of course, I'm Pastor Jordan's sister. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at different Bible stories to share God's grace. And when Jordan asked me to speak, I knew exactly what story I wanted to tell. But I also knew I had to have my dad tell this story with me because if any of you have ever heard my dad tell a story, there, there is nothing like it. I mean, as kids, you should hear him tell the story of the three little pigs. I mean, he had us hiding under our covers when the wolf was coming. And believe me, there is no sugarcoating what happened to the little pigs when the wolf showed up. I mean, he would yell, little pig, little pig, let me come in. He'd like, like bang on the door and we'd be squealing and crying. And, uh, and, and, and when it was time to like huff and puff and blow the house down, it was like, seriously, he was like blowing in our faces. And it was always like a really good time. But um, it's my privilege to be able to stand here today with my dad. We've never done this together before, and um, we're going to share one of the greatest love stories ever told in the Bible. In fact, it's one of the most amazing illustrations of God's astonishing willingness to forgive, and it's all rolled up in one incredible book of Hosea. Now, most of us as Christians, many of us, I would say, are not real familiar with Hosea and Gomer. I mean, they're not like the dynamic duo of David and Goliath, Noah and the ark, Jonah and the whale. But how about Hosea and Gomer? Who are they? And why would God make such a big issue of their love story? The true story about the unconditional love of God and his willingness to forgive is a combination that we have come to know as the amazing grace of God. And no better pre- uh, depicted than in this love story. Like many documentary movies, the events that we're about to share with you are real. They're tragic, and they have emotional agony and conflict associated with them. But the story, the account of Hosea, is so redeeming. I think for us to understand this story and how amazing it is, we have to understand why would God ask Hosea to do what he told them to do? Well, in order for us to really maybe get a perspective, we have to kind of go back to the beginning. So, Jesse? So, in the beginning, Genesis tells us that God created, well, everything. Everything that God created came right from the inside of his heart. The billions of stars, the billions of planets, the fish, the birds of the air, the animals. And after each creation was complete to God's perfect satisfaction, he looked it over and he said, it is good. But on the sixth day, the crown jewel of his creative wonder was revealed. Mm. Not in billions, 
but in just one pair of humans. God did the unspeakable. He created Adam and Eve. He took special care. He formed them with his own two hands from the dust of the earth. And he shaped them into his likeness and in his image. Then he took a deep breath and he breathed his only breath into them and they sprang to life. And once again, God stood back, he looked at his creation, and he said, now it is very good. But as most of you are aware, the very good did not last very long before it became very bad. Eve uh, had been successfully tempted and deceived by Satan. And then Adam, Adam joined in her rebellion by knowingly doing what God had expressly forbidden. From that moment on, the plan of redemption began taking shape. But not until God gave us his son to die in our place was the plan fully revealed. The cross declared that God is perfectly loving, like perfectly loving, and perfectly just. And when those two come together, it's complete forgiveness. As creator, God has a rightful ownership over all of us. Psalms 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Well, if I were to create something, I'd make a patent. And because I had a patent, everybody would know it belongs to me. Well, God created everything, so everything belongs to him. Psalms 139 says, God created and formed you in his inmost being. He, he knit us together in his mother's womb. And God did that for all of us. God is very detailed. He's involved in every aspect of creation. He fiercely loves us, and he watches over us. He provides for us. He protects us. In fact, that love that he has for us is somewhat illogical. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As you guys can see on the screen, John three sixteen is a verse that many of us have heard all of our lives. But let's not move past these words too quickly. For the Bible says that God so loved the world. Mm. Did you know that in almost every version that I looked this verse up, the word so is there? God so loved. It is though the Holy Spirit wanted to stress the magnitude of God's love towards us, that he so loved us so very, very much that he gave his one and only son mm. that whosoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. I mean, that is illogical to think and almost impossible to comprehend that we were worth the sacrifice mm. of his son. Yeah. 
But what's even more crazy is the fact that a whosoever, just simply anyone who believes in his son, they will have eternal life. That's illogical. I mean, does God really mean a whosoever, every whosoever out there? Not just the ones who try to be good or not just the ones who are religious or maybe come from a good family. I mean, who really makes up the whosoever crowd? Thinking about this, I was wondering, don't you think God should have had a best friend to sit down with him and talk his plan through? (laughs) Maybe his friend would have given him some good advice. Like, hey, God, I think this idea of creating a human race, wow, it's really special. I mean, humans? That sounds amazing. But have you considered what this is going to cost you? I mean, the risk? Do you know that if you give them free will that you could end up with some really bad ones? (laughs) Don't you think you should reconsider? Are you really going to send your one and only son for a whosoever? Will you really be able to follow through with your plan and love those who are never going to love you back? Do you realize there's a good chance that some of them are never going to even acknowledge what you did or what it's going to cost you to save them? It also makes me wonder, if he knew how much we would hurt him, if he knew how much we would disappoint him, or how often we would betray him, then he must have realized how much we would cost him. 750 years, 750 years, long time before Jesus shows up to give us the revelation of the plan of redemption, God finds Hosea. He shows up through his life. You see, God made a covenant with Israel saying that I will be your God and you will be my people. From the very beginning, God has been trying to win the hearts of people to himself. Even in his command, you shall have no other gods before me. It's God's way of saying, I want to be your one and only. The children of Israel were constantly and repeatedly adulterous toward God. Unfaithful is too kind a word. They were vile and vulgar. They got distracted. They were in total depraved rebellion. They would would look at stuff like, Money and, and power and perversion. and They get distracted by the same things we're distracted by. They, you know, human beings just haven't changed. They were looking for love in all the wrong places, like so many of us. They searched for meaning and purpose everywhere but God. But God had been faithful to his people time and time and time again. His love was unfailing. His commitment was unbroken. However, they kept walking away from him. These were his people. 
They kept returning to their nature and walking away. But God kept repeating what is his in his nature, and he remained faithful. The book of Hosea illustrates the drastic measures God was willing to take to get their attention and to win the heart of his people back. You see, in those days, God asked many of the prophets to actually live out their prophecies that he had given them so that the people could fully understand him. For instance, let's look at what God told Isaiah to do. The Lord of Isaiah, son of Amoz, take off the burlap you've been wearing and remove your sandals. Isaiah did as he was told, and he walked around naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, My servant Isaiah has been walking around naked and barefoot for the last three years. Aren't you glad that you weren't asked to do that? (laughs) I am. But why would God ask somebody to do something like that? That's crazy. Well, it was a symbol. It was a sign of the trouble that was coming upon Egypt because of how they oppressed his people, and they too would be found walking barefoot and naked. Actually, Jesse, I've got you beat. Uh, In Ezekiel chapter 4, we read that uh, God tells Ezekiel to live out his prophecy. I want you to lie on your side for 390 days, each day being a year of rebellion that Israel had been rebelling against God. You lay on your side for 390 days. And when you finish that, you lie on your left side for 40 days, which is 40 years of rebellion for Judah. And just to make sure that you do it, I'm going to tie you up so you cannot get up. If that weren't enough, God said this. Take this barley and make a cake. Bake it in the sight of people using human excrement for fuel. What? The Lord said, in this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them. Well, Ezekiel begs God, please don't make me do that. And God relents and says, I'll let you bake your bread over cow manure instead of human excrement. So once again, God looked down and found a man obedient to demonstrate to the people what he so desperately was trying to tell them. They just couldn't get it. God still does that. He looks for a man and stand in the gap, and in this gap, he found Hosea. Through Hosea's own personal life, he was charged with revealing the heart of God to his people and revealing God's expectations on how we are to forgive one another. So God asked Hosea to do the illogical. The Bible says, the Lord began to speak through Hosea, and the Lord said to him, go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Dibalam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Just think for a moment 
what it must have been like for Hosea. He was a prophet. He was a man of God. How could God ask him, of, ask him to do something like this? Marry a prostitute? Well, the verse begins, when the Lord began to speak to Hosea. So I'm right out of the chute. I mean, the first assignment this kid gets. Hosea's first prophetic word. I don't know, of course. Uh, what if God had somehow called Hosea to be a prophetic voice while he was very young? Like Samuel, he was just a, a kid. God says now in his first appointment, Hosea, yes, Lord, Hosea says back. Hosea, I have your first assignment. Are you ready? Oh, boy, am I ever. <laughs> I've been waiting 20 years. People are waiting, hand and foot, just wanting to know what I have to say because I've been in your presence. Let me have it, Lord. Let me hear what you have to say. God says, are you certain you want to be a prophetic voice to my beloved people? Oh, yes, Lord. You can count on me. Well, go take for yourself an adulterous wife. What? You want me to do what? Lord, I, you know, I mean, ever since I've been young, I, I've been trying to live a life of integrity. I, I, I've known I have a call on my life. I have a great reputation among my peers. Uh, uh, people want to hear what I have to say because I've been in your presence and now you're telling me, you want me to marry a, a prostitute? This woman named Gomer? I mean, she has called some pretty vile, disgusting names like a promiscuous sleaze, a whore, and you want me to marry her? This could be a career-ending mistake. I want to make sure I'm hearing you clearly. You want me to marry Gomer? Do you know what it's going to cost me? You heard me right. And when you've married her, she's going to bear you children born out of unfaithfulness. What? These children born from the seed of other men? And you want me to be their father? Go find her, Hosea. Hosea, knowing the cost ahead of time, chose to obey. He finds Gomer, and he asks her to marry him. Now let's pause for a moment. Let's just think what it might have been like for Gomer. I mean, what was she thinking? This was probably the very first time a respectable man a good man, a God-fearing man, paid her any attention. And he actually wanted to marry her? Gomer must have thought, this, this is too good to be true. No one has ever asked me to marry. No one has ever really wanted to keep me. Can I really have a normal life? Is this my chance to be free? Does, does a man like Hosea really want me? Will I be accepted or 
Maybe this is my chance at a family, or will I be a mother? And with a small glimmer of hope, Gomer accepts. But as so often the case, even with us, Gomer would go back to the life Mm. that she knew best. She became pregnant, but it wasn't from Hosea's seed. So God named, so God had Hosea name the baby Jezreel, which means judgment is coming to the house of Israel. But not long after that, Gomer had a baby girl. Yet again, not of Hosea's seed. And God had Hosea name her Lo Rahama, meaning no compassion. I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. And I don't know if you're familiar with the text, but you can probably imagine what happens next. After Gomer had weaned Lo Rahama, she conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Lo Ami, meaning not my people. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Mm. Can you feel the frustration that God is feeling? These were his people, and they hurt him by running to other gods. There were actual moments that he truly felt, these are not my people, and obviously, I'm not their God. Mm. Have you ever felt that with people in your life? Maybe your own children? These can't be my kids. They, they just can't, that, I didn't teach him that. But yet you still just are crazy in love with them. The Bible says that after the arrival of the third baby, reality comes crashing in for Gomer. Maybe it was postpartum. Maybe she had her identity crisis. But the Bible says that Gomer ran I understand why she ran. In her mind, she must have been wondering, what was I thinking? Who am I kidding? Being married, having a husband, that's just a fantasy. It was fun while it lasted, but I really don't belong in Hosea's world. I don't deserve him, a man like him. After all, how could he stay with me? Knowing that I was out while he was away. Knowing that he is fathering someone else's child. Anyways, he didn't really love me. I mean, how could he? I don't blame him. He probably only married me because God told him to. Honestly, Jose and the children, they're better off without me. I see the looks when I'm in town. What am I going to say to my kids when they're old enough to understand who I am, what I am, who their real fathers are. So Hosea arrives home, possibly after some prolonged ministry trip. But his home is empty, except for these three kids that he is now the dad of. He must have had some thought, okay, this is it. You told me to marry this prostitute. I have suffered unbelievable humiliation in doing so. Then she has three kids, none of which resembles me, because they're fathered by someone else. Now, she's gone again. 
She's a shameless prostitute. She shows no gratitude for all that I have done. God, what do you want me to do? Go find her, Hosea. Go find her and love her again. But God, come on. When is enough enough? Go find her, Hosea. So I began searching for her. I find out through the word on the street that she's back to prostitution. I grumbled, men of God, prophets of God, don't go down to the brothels. We don't go down to red light districts looking for our wives. But as I entered the public square of the red light district where I told I would find her, I could hardly believe my eyes. She's being sold. She's on the selling block in a public auction, being sold to the highest bidder, shackled, dirty, and naked again. Hosea tries to explain, that's my wife. But the evil men who had claimed he owned her didn't care. The price is the price. And so Hosea paid the full price, 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley for a shackled, dirty, and naked wife. Why should he have to pay for what's already his? Could it be that God intended Hosea to be a picture of himself? Hosea purchased her to love her, to heal her, to protect her, to provide for her. So I walk up, I walk up to the auction block, and our eyes meet. Embarrassed, shamed, I just hung my head and looked away. I mean, what could I possibly say? I had abandoned him. How could I face him? What is he doing here anyway? This part of town, doesn't he get it? I don't belong with him, and I'm never going to be who he wants. I'm never going to be good enough. This is all I know. This is who I am. I tried to change. I really did. I mean, how can he really love me? I brought so much shame upon him, upon our family. But what is he doing now? He's bidding for me? He's trying to buy me back? So Hosea pays the full price. He waits as they unshackle his wife. He takes his cloak off. He wraps it around her gently, tenderly. He takes her by the hand and he, he whispers in her ear as she is weeping. And he says, I love you, Gomer. I am never going to leave you. Who is Hosea? Hosea's God. He's the living, prophetic picture of a God who so loved a bunch of whosoever's 
and he's never going to let us go. Who's Gomer? It's me. It's you. Gomer is the living prophetic picture of you and I and all of humanity. Who's Jesus in the story? He was the full price that our Father was willing to pay to buy us back. That we might be his treasured possession once again. We are the possession of the creator God who 2,000 years ago paid a price for what was already his. Mm. He sent his only son to purchase us back. If we were to measure the total of all the sins of the world and multiply them by all the stars and planets in the universe, what Jesus did on that one cross was enough. Mm. Jesus is God's love personified, but his grace magnified. I believe it's safe to say we've all struggled with sin, and yet we found it so incredible that Jesus would choose to forgive us time and time and time again. Jesus will never agree with anyone who says their sins are so gross and they've been repeated so often that you're a lost cause or that you're beyond forgiveness. You do know that Jesus knew the cost ahead of time and he was willing to go to the most despicable, darkest places of this earth and there's nothing you could ever do that's going to make him love you any less. You see, the gospel is front and center of this story, every detail displayed in the life of Hosea and Gomer. Did you know in Hebrew that Hosea means salvation? That his name is derived from Joshua, who we derive the name Jesus, who is the author of salvation, who is our Savior. Gomer means complete The 15 pieces of silver and the five bushels of barley that were paid for Gomer's life, they all have meaning. God doesn't leave out one single detail. Mm. The number 15 means mercy. It also means God's divine help to save. You know what else is neat? It means to save with his own hand. Silver means divinity. Five is the number of grace. Barley has a representation for humanity. It's the perfect picture of the cross. It's all right there, lived out by the life of Hosea and Gomer, that God would have mercy. He would use his divine nature to help all humanity, give them his amazing grace in order to complete us, And pay the full price for our salvation. The Lord is is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. And he's full of faithful love. He will not always accuse us. And he will not be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. 
nor has he repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear yes. him. So far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed, removed mm. our transgressions from us. So you may be listening via the internet at home or possibly here today in the house, and you're thinking, really? Is God that compassionate? Is God that loving? Is God that willing to forgive me and call me his chosen, his treasured possession, his bride, after he knows all that I've done? Serious? Yes. Jesse and I are serious. That's what we've been trying to share this entire time that we've been up here. No sin is too great that God's grace is not greater. God's grace is so great. To forgive you is his nature. To love you is his nature. This is not a temporary feeling for God. This is who he is. He wants you, and he wants you in glory with him. You see, God loves us so much that when it's our nature to return to our old ways, it's God's nature to forgive us again. Because God has plans for us, and he's never rescinded those plans. Unfortunately, Satan also has plans for us. Satan wants us on the auction block, claiming we belong to him. But God came along and paid the ultimate price. We're his his bride, his treasured possession. Until we arrive at some revelation of the true cost of forgiveness as evidenced by the cross, we cannot fully appreciate the great revelation of God's love. God does not want anyone to remember what he has promised to forget. But that leaves us with another challenge this morning. If we who are that loved and that forgiven are restored by the Holy Spirit, then we become, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus with skin on. So how are we to love and forgive others? God is not only revealing his love to Israel and his love to us, but how we are to love others. What I have done for you, do unto others. Forgive as I have forgiven you. So as we close, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. In Colossians it says, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Matthew says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you yours. 
So I ask, do you think God really meant that? If you're like me, I contemplated long over this portion. And I said, God, do you really want me to forgive others the, the way Hosea forgave Gomer? God says, I've given you my Holy Spirit. It's in my nature and now your nature to love and forgive. So the altar call this morning is threefold. I think it would do well if we just close our eyes for a minute, bow our head. It's, it's our way of just getting alone, just you and God alone. It's, it's just you and God alone. So maybe you're like Gomer, knowing you're on Satan's auction block, feeling worthless, helpless, and hopeless. It's hard for you to grasp, but God has already paid the price in full, and he loves you, and he wants you to be with him in glory. You, you've had so many abortions. You've been out there on the prostitution corner. You've been doing drugs. You've been going back to pornography. You've been doing this stuff. God says, I still love you and want you with me. And then he says, but my love for you is not enough to redeem you. You must accept the price that I'm willing to pay for you. Plead the blood of my son. Your sins will be forgiven and my love will be fully realized. Your peace will be great. Your joy will be full and you will be with me in glory. On the other hand, maybe you are like Gomer. You, you got married. You, 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 you got tight with God and, and then you run. You go back and do the things you did before it's so hopeless and frustrating. You keep doing what God delivered you from. It's just like returning to that old man, that old nature. And God is saying, you need the power of the Holy Spirit if you're ever going to fully get victory over the flesh. And I'm here to pour out my spirit upon you because I love you. The Apostle Peter wrote, God has given us the Holy Spirit that we can participate in this new nature. We need the Holy Spirit. He will allow us to find that way of escape when every temptation comes that we might live a life of love and forgiveness. And then thirdly, it's very possible that you are here this morning having tasted the goodness of God's love and forgiveness and finding it so difficult to forgive those who have hurt you and wounded you. But you realize this morning your own salvation could be in jeopardy because you just can't release them. You need the power of the Holy Spirit 
to simply let go of what God wants to forgive. The second you let them go, you are the one that becomes free. So this morning, whether you're a gomer out there on the street and you need the power of the Holy Spirit to be born again, or whether you have been redeemed and keep going back to old patterns of pornography and gossip and laziness and all your own selfish ways. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to give victory over yourself. Or maybe you're here this morning and forgiveness seems to elude you. You can't release. And God is going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit for you to release what he can do in his nature, what you can't do in your own. So would you stand with me, everyone? Please stand. If you've been touched by the story of Gomer, if you see yourself at all and going back to old patterns, if you see yourself at all frustrated about about the ability to release people. If, if you're in that situation, I want you to come. I just want you to come forward like, like, like right now in the transparency of who you are as God's chosen bride. Just come up and let us agree with you for the power of the Holy Spirit to do in God's nature what you can't do in your own. Can you do that right now? Just, just uh, separate. I can't forgive. I can't forget, well, God is able to let you do that by the power of his spirit. I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. In Christ, you can do all things, the Bible says. Come ahead, come ahead. Don't, 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 don't even hesitate. If you're struggling in any way, some, some of us struggle with going back to our old patterns in life. Oh, I got victory over that. Why do I keep doing that? Well, come. We're going to anoint you with the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe God to, to finish what he began. As the course of this song runs and we begin to pray, I want the rest to feel comfortable. Please come and get victory over portions of that life where you felt defeated. Amen. Go ahead.
jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize How great your affections are for me And oh, how he loves us though. Oh, how he loves us How he loves us so somebody it's not too late it's not too late it's not too late it's not too late and while they're at the altar the rest of us are intercessors we are prayer warriors we're worship warriors think of somebody you needed to hear this message and lift them up I just see faces like a, like a almost like a Zoom call in the spirit where there's just faces. Close your eyes and what what's a face? Who's a person's name that's rising up in a square? Intercede for them right now. Pretend it's pretend they were in this room and man, I just wish they were at the altar right now. It's never too late. It's never too late. Jesus is here. are his portion and he is our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes grace is an ocean we're all sinking so heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss my heart turns violently I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. So let's sing this over the Amish community. 
Everybody's in this place is at the altar. Think of a face. Think of somebody that in the Amish community that you've driven or given a ride to. Or somebody that you work with that says, I know, and they're going through something. Let's join together and sing this over. Everybody that's represented here. Everybody got a face? Oh, he loves us. your voices he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us how he loves us oh he question. He says, you mean to tell me that there are not more men that are frustrated and angry and dealing with grudges? And Where are they? When will they man up? It is, it is one of the most challenging things we have in our life to come up and say, God, I need you. But unless you come into the kingdom like a little child, you can't even come. God loves it when men will say, I need you. And likewise for women who have faced uh, not only a broken and wounded heart, but then having to do something about it to forgive and to go on with their life with a sense of joy and purpose. And how many of us are still in our chairs well, God knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. 
and he even understands your reticence in coming up because there's nothing special about this spot but there's something very special about the power of his spirit so that God can do in his nature what you're unable or unwilling to do in your own so God wants you to leave here today knowing he knows you he created you And while he may be out of your mind, you're never out of his sight. He is always there for you. So I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord. And I want you, with your mouth, out loud, would you thank him? Would you bless him? Would you declare to him how blessed you are for his unfailing love, for his never-ending mercy, that God loves you. God, you're awesome. There's none like you, O Lord. Oh, forever and forever. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now. As is our custom here at Rock of Grace, you're welcome to stay and to linger and to talk, and we're we're here for you. Those of you that are online, likewise, if you're, you might even be alone. You don't hardly know what to do with yourself right now. Just open your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. As is our custom, we always conclude a service with a blessing. We want the Lord's blessing to rest on his people. So would you just open up your hands to the Lord? Father, I want you to bless your children. Love on them, Lord. Pour out the Holy Spirit upon them in ways they never imagined. So full their cup runs over. They'll be startled by your peace amazed by your joy. They'll all be surprised at the amazing grace that now accompanies them. How willing they are to forgive. How eager they are to love. Bless them. May they go out as the light to the world. Jesus with skin on to love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable, and lift high the banner of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. In your precious name, may your blessing rest. And all of God's people said, give the Lord a resounding clap offering. Woo! Lord! Whoa, God! Whoa! Yeah! Yes, Lord!